Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 tonight. Tonight we come to verses 13 through 17. Mark 12, 13 through 17. Once you've located that, I'll invite you please to stand for the reading of God's Word. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay a tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at him. Please be seated. Ever since the church was first birthed in the first century, after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, from the very first days of the church, the question has been wrestled with. God or government? How do believers navigate our allegiances? Do we pledge allegiance to the flag? Or do we pledge allegiance to God? Or is there some middle ground? In every nation where there are believers, this is a question that has been dealt with over the centuries. And here we find Jesus essentially giving a pretty straightforward answer about how believers are to navigate this issue of allegiance. God government. Now, this question is posed to Jesus by these same religious leaders who he's been in conflict with. We saw him come into the temple the day before and run out the money changers and those selling animals. Said, so this is supposed to be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. You're treating the house of God like a flea market. And he ran them out. So the religious authorities come to him the next day and says, Look, who gives you the authority to do this? By whose authority are you coming in here acting like you're in charge? And then this morning, we see he tells them a parable about a vineyard owner and the tenant farmers he has leased the vineyard to. And in this parable, Jesus essentially tells these religious leaders, you and your fruitless, corrupt religious system are being removed and now are being replaced. 
but they are consistently seeking to find grounds to arrest him. The last thing we looked at this morning, it says, after Jesus told this parable, they were seeking to seize him. In other words, that means they wanted to lay hands on him and have him put to death. So now when we read the verses we're looking at tonight, you need to understand this is their goal. They're coming after Jesus in order to try to find grounds of accusation against him, to use against him at a trial, which they're planning to hold as soon as they're able to arrest him. So again, the question they ask Jesus is not a sincere desire to gain wisdom or truth. It is simply a desire to get Jesus to say something they can use against him. But in the process of answering their question, Jesus gives some helpful instructions for those who are disciples of Christ about our allegiances, especially as it relates to God and government. So this text is pretty straightforward. There's a question posed to Jesus, and then he gives an answer. So first we'll look at the question, and then we'll talk for a minute about the answer. So what is the question we're considering tonight? For you and I, the question is this. Should Christians pay taxes to a godless government? Now, as we come to the text in verse 13, the first thing I want you to notice is who it is that's approaching Jesus with this question. The Pharisees and the Herodians. We kind of know who the Pharisees are. The Pharisees are the religious elite. They are these uh, ones who everybody would have considered the most righteous of all people. Really, they were self-righteous. But they were the, the most numerous of the religious elite considered to be the most holy of the Israelite people. This is what the Apostle Paul was before he was saved. He was a Pharisee. They are anti-Roman government, pro-Israel. And then we have the Herodians. The Herodians are called Herodians because they supported the Herods. The Herods were a line of governors that were appointed to, to be over the districts around Israel. It was Herod the Great and Herod Antipas and several different Herods. They were all of the same family. Well, the Herodians supported the rule of the Herods and as a result were ultimately supporting the Roman Empire because the Herods were appointed by the Romans. In other words, these Herodians owed their wealth and influence to the rule of the Herods. So they were pro-Herod. Now here's the thing I need you to catch. Pharisees and Herodians would normally be diametrically opposed to one another. The Herods are pretty much pro-Rome, and the Pharisees are anti-Rome. Why in the world would they be sent together to do anything? Only one reason. The only thing they had in common is they all wanted to go away with Jesus. 
So when they come to Jesus, it's purely out of hostility. Notice what it says in verse 13. They came to him in order to trap him in a statement. That word trap is a word that is used of hunting animals, normally for food. Think about in the jungle. A hunter digs a big pit in the ground. In the bottom of that pit, he puts sharp stakes in the ground. He covers the pit over. And then his efforts are to find a tiger and chase it where it will fall into the pit. That's the idea. Seeking after someone to do violence to them. So in other words, when it says they're coming to trap him, it means they're literally coming with hostile intent after Jesus. But not only they're coming with hostility, they're coming with hypocrisy. I, I want you to look at verse 14. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one. You're not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. First, here's what they say. Jesus, we know that you're a man of integrity. In other words, you're truthful. You're honest. You're a person whose teaching is not guided by prejudice. Or Second, they say, we know that you're not swayed by other people. That you're not beholden to the opinions of other people. Third, they say that Jesus doesn't pay attention to who people are. In other words, he doesn't show favoritism or partiality to anyone based on anything or any reason. Fourthly, they claim that he teaches the way of God in accordance with what is true. They say you are God's unprejudiced spokesman. You, are you catching all of this? You're a man of integrity. You're a man of truth. You, you don't worry about the opinions of others. You don't show favoritism. You speak the word of God without prejudice. Now, think about who that's coming from. This is coming from the Pharisees and the Herodians who are trying to get Jesus to say something they can use against him in a trial. This is nothing but hypocritical flattery. In fact, if you look at verse 15, Jesus says he knew their hypocrisy. In other words, they're trying to butter him up. Uh, they are completely insincere. They don't believe anything they just said. They're just trying to butter him up to get him to say something that they can use against him. It's hypocritical. They don't mean any of it. And again, this is just part uh, of their efforts to trap him. They're hostile. They're, they're being hypocritical. But you know what's ironic about what they said? Even though they didn't mean it, the four things they said about Jesus are all absolutely true. He was truthful. He did speak the word of God in truth. He wasn't swayed by the opinions of men. He didn't show favoritism. He was God's official spokesman. But they didn't believe it. They're just trying to trap him. So they come to him with this question. Is it lawful to pay a tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? 
Okay. Ever since the year 6 A.D., at the time, this was about the year A.D. 30, but ever since A.D. 6, Judea, the southern part of Israel, was part of the province of Syria, which meant now Judea is an official province of the Roman Empire, which means they are subject to what was called a poll tax. All of the citizens of Judea were now considered official part of the Roman Empire, and therefore every male from 14 to 65 had to pay a tax on the census, basically is what it was. They had to pay this poll tax. Now the Jews hated this poll tax for two primary reasons. First of all, it reminded them that they were under subjection to the Romans. In other words, the Jews wanted to be an independent nation. But they were under the thumb of Rome. They were under the rule of a foreign power. They weren't a sovereign state and they didn't like it. So they didn't like Rome and that tax reminded them that they were in subjection to Rome. Secondly, not only did it remind them they were in subjection to Rome, but paying that tax was requiring them to financially support the government that was keeping them subject. You with me? They didn't like this tax because they didn't like Roman rule. Now, this question is a trap because it's generally considered that it is impossible to answer this question to everybody's satisfaction. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? If he said yes, he's going to alienate the Jewish patriots who would see his answer as a pro-Roman answer. And Jesus would lose the support of the Jewish people. If he said no, you shouldn't pay the tax, then that gives them a reason to go to the Roman authorities and accuse Jesus of being a rebel against Caesar and have him basically... Uh, have him arrested. So basically he's put in a position where they don't think there's any answer he can give without incriminating himself one way or the other. So what does Jesus do when they pose this question? He knows their hypocrisy and he says, why are you testing me? And he says, bring me a denarius. A denarius is what the tax was per person. A denarius was a day's wage for a, a common laborer in Palestine in that day. And it's a coin. A denarius is a Roman coin made out of silver. On one side of the coin, it has the image, the bust from the chest up of Tiberius Caesar, who was the emperor at the time. And there was an inscription, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. Augustus in Latin means majestic one. So here's a picture, an image of the, the Caesar, the Roman emperor, and an inscription that basically proclaims him as God. Son of the divine Augustus, the majestic one. 
On the reverse side of the coin, there was an image of Tiberius' mother, Livia. And it had the Latin inscription, Pontifex Maximus, which means high priest. So this coin not only proclaimed the emperor to be God, it proclaimed him to be the way to God, the high priest. Now, so for a Jew, paying a tax with this coin was not only politically offensive, but it's religiously offensive because it contains on it a graven image. And it has an inscription on it, words that shouldn't be applied to anyone. Certainly not a pagan Roman emperor. Only God should be called divine, the majestic one. So as you think about their question, there's an underlying implication in this question. The underlying implication is allegiance to God and allegiance to Rome as a pagan occupying power are fundamentally incompatible. In other words, they're suggesting to Jesus that to support Rome is to be unfaithful to God, is to, is to rebel against God. To give allegiance to Rome is to deny allegiance to God. That's, their, that's the position they see themselves putting Jesus in. When they ask this question about, do we give taxes? Now, I want you to think about how that question comes down to you and I. We're not in subjection to the Roman Empire, but we are under the authority of a government. And like the Roman government, it is a pagan government. It's a government that is a heathen government. It is not a government that serves and honors the one true God. So what about you and I? Should we pay taxes to a godless government who will do who knows what with the money we get? Or certainly, Rome would use the money they gathered from the Jewish people to do things the Jewish religion would be against. They would do things that would not please God with the tax money they gathered. That might give Jews a reason to say, we shouldn't pay tax, they're godless. What are they going to do with this money? Well, you and I might claim the same thing. Why should we pay taxes to a pagan government? Godless government that's going to use it to support abortion? That's going to use it to pass laws that, that do everything they can to restrict and strip away the freedom to worship we have of Christians? They're doing so many things now to promote wickedness in the, in the public sphere and, and we're paying taxes to these people and they're using that money to promote ungodly agendas? Should we be paying taxes to these people? That's the question. Well, let's look at the answer. The answer ultimately is this. Honor earthly authorities but give ultimate allegiance to God alone because you belong to Him. Honor earthly authorities, but give ultimate allegiance to God alone because you belong to Him. Notice the first part of Jesus' 
answer. He takes the denarius and he asks them, whose likeness and inscription is this? Noah's whose picture is this on it? Whose name is it printed on this coin? Of course, they say it's Caesar's. Jesus said to him, verse 17, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. The coin used to pay Caesar's tax. had whose picture on it? Caesar's. Jesus said Caesar's picture is on here. His inscription is on here. This has the image of Caesar on it. So the coin belongs to Caesar. So give it back to him. Now I want you to notice something interesting. When they ask Jesus, is it lawful to pay a tax. Should we pay or should we not pay? It means to give. But Jesus says, he doesn't say pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. He says render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. This word doesn't mean to give. It means to give back. They say, should we give Caesar this money? Jesus says you should give back to Caesar what is his. It's got his image on it. It belongs to him. Give it back to him. Let Caesar have his money. Now, the use of Caesar's coin in the marketplace, it shows a dependence on the part of the people in other words, the people are using his money, this money that Caesar's printed with his picture on it, and they're benefiting from the use of his money. Think of it like this. They're benefiting from what that money does. The Roman road systems. The, what was called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Rome maintained a great deal of peace for the city-states that were in subject that were subject to them. Rome did a lot of things for the people who were citizens of the Roman Empire. The Jews who lived in Judea were able to benefit from these things that the Roman government did. Jesus said, you benefit from what Rome does with this money? Give Caesar his, his due. Now, it's no different from you and I. We don't like everything our government does. But we do benefit from many of the things our government does. I went to public schools for 12 years. I graduated with a, I reckon, a fairly good education. I didn't pay for school for any of those years. I never paid tuition. I, I didn't pay for my books. Only thing I paid for was you know, school supplies and lunches and clothes and the standard stuff, but I didn't have to pay to go to school. We drive up and down on the roadways, the federal, you know, roadways that the government maintains sometimes. We do have 
many benefits as citizens of the United States. There are many things that we enjoy that the government is responsible for providing. We enjoy the peace and the freedom that our military affords us. In other words, though we don't agree with everything they do with the tax money, we do enjoy many of the benefits of it. And Jesus says, honor those earthly authorities. Let me give you a scripture. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15. Be subject for the sake of the Lord to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do good. For such is the will of God, that by doing good you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. It is the will of God that you be subject to human authorities. That's what the Apostle Peter says. So this really extends beyond the issue of just taxes. Jesus says, Honor earthly authorities. Give Caesar what is his. What does Caesar do? Well, we pay taxes. We obey the, the traffic laws. right? We, we obey the laws that are passed by our state and local and federal government. We, we give honor to the authorities that are over us in government. So honor earthly authorities. But here's the second half of Jesus' answer. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. So while we honor earthly authorities, we give ultimate allegiance to God. And what Jesus is doing here, they didn't ask him anything about God, but Jesus is challenging them Okay, you're considering what you owe, what allegiance you owe to government, but I want you to consider what allegiance you owe to God. What are government's claims on you and what are God's claims on you? How do we know ultimate authority is God's? Jesus said, show me a denarius, show me a coin. Whose image is on it? Caesar's. Okay, his image is on it. It belongs to him. Give to Caesar what is his. And then he says, render to God what is God's. Where do we find God's image? Genesis 1.26 Where do we find God's image? In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God made man in his own image. Caesar's image was stamped on a coin. God's image is stamped on every single human being ever born. The coin has Caesar's image on it. It belongs to him. Give it to him. You have God's image stamped on you. 
You belong to him. What do you owe him? Your very self. Your very self. So Jesus is saying, yes, you should honor earthly authority. But God is your ultimate allegiance because you belong to him. You belong to him. If coins bear Caesar's image, then they belong to Caesar. But humanity, which bears God's image, belongs to God. Now, I want you to think with me just a minute. Jesus' answer, you can't take it to mean that God and government are two separate entities that are completely independent of one another. You have God, then you have government, and we treat them separately. No, no, no. The idea Jesus is given is God is sovereign over all of human affairs, and that includes political affairs. He's not saying submit to Caesar in political matters, but submit to God in everything. No, 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 no. He's saying submit to God in everything. And submit to Caesar as long as you can do that and submit to God at the same time. In other words, God is the ultimate authority. You should obey earthly authorities. And Jesus' implication is that the majority of the time, there is no conflict between obeying government and obeying God. Most of the time, the vast majority of the time, you can do both. You know that? Rare are the occasions when someone has to defy God in order to obey the government. Now, there are instances where it happens. And there are places in the world where people gather and worship against the law because it's not against the law, because it's not allowed. And they're doing what they should do. They should break the law. They should gather and worship. But I want you to think about something. 98% of the other laws in the nation don't require them to defy God. You understand? It's only a handful of laws that they have to defy God to obey. So they don't. This is The point is, the vast majority of the time, there's no conflict between obeying government and obeying God. Government is sovereign over all of it, including government. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist have been appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists that authority has opposed the ordinance of God. In other words, all human authority ultimately is in place by the will and purpose of God. Government serves a purpose in God's plan. Without government, there would be chaos. Now, governments are sinners, government officials are sinners, and do wicked things many times, but they do serve the purpose of maintaining civility in society, punishing criminals, keeping us from living in absolute chaos. But ultimately, our allegiance is to God. Only 
Under normal circumstances, you can maintain loyalty to God and government. But when that becomes impossible, right? When that becomes impossible, allegiance is given to God. Acts chapter 4. You remember Peter and John healed a lame man at the gate of the temple, the gate that was called Beautiful? Peter said, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They healed him. The people went crazy. They were preaching, teaching Jesus in the temple. They got arrested. This is what it says in Acts 4, 18 through 20. When they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to hear you rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter said, look, you'll have to decide for yourself if we should obey God or men, but we're going to have to do what God told us to do. He told us to preach Jesus, and that's what we've got to do. In this case, Peter and John refused to obey Caesar. Later on, in Christian history, not long after the days of Jesus, Roman emperors demanded Christians to acknowledge that they were gods. It's called the imperial cult. People were required to worship the emperor as God. When that time came, Christians refused to give to Caesar what he demanded. Why? Because then their ultimate allegiance was challenged. Because what Caesar was demanding did not belong to him. Worship. Worship doesn't belong to government. We do not worship government. We will not worship government. We submit to God and government as long as they are Compatible. The question is this. How do we navigate God and government? I'd suggest the place to start is to ask yourself this question. What do we owe God? We belong to Him. What do we owe Him? You say, well, we owe Him everything. Okay. What is everything? Be specific. What do we owe him? Worship? Obedience? Love? Loyalty? Possessions? Whatever we have belongs to him and we should treat it as if it belongs to God? We shouldn't hold on to things and say mine. We should hold our things in open hands and say, God, these are yours to use however you see fit. It belongs to you. You gave it to me. I'm just a manager of it. Right? If we understand our ultimate allegiance is to God and he, it all belongs to him, then we hold our possession with open hands. We hold our own plans tentatively saying, God, I belong to you. This is what my plan is, but my plans are subject to you, your will. Everything in life belongs to him. 
And the vast majority of the time, God's will is that we obey the government. Even in the ways we don't like to. Because that's His will. We honor earthly authorities. But you give ultimate allegiance to God alone because you belong to Him. Let's pray.